Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Will Rotondi. Hey, hey, how's it going? And of course, as always, we have the lovely Mae Finch. Hello, hello. Hi, guys. How are you? Did you have a nice long weekend? Very busy. <laughs> Very busy. Oh my gosh. I felt like I didn't have a, a much of a break, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the the full of sun and surf and booze kind of busy. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Well, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Mad Max Fury Road for our first end of the world topic. And of course, we'll be drawing a side card and even playing a round of keyword countdown. But first, another sad and oddly like times um, in memoriam for us on Screen Quests. Uh, so between our last episode and today's episode, Tina Turner has passed away. Very, very, very sad. We were just talking about um, Mad Max uh, Beyond Thunderdome and how like without Tina Turner, it would probably be a pretty mid movie, but she totally makes it. So kind of odd timing. But uh, yeah, I, didn't, I don't know. Um, what your all's personal experience is with, with Tina Turner, but that was like the first thing that as a child that like, you know, watching it on USA or whatever sci-fi channel or something like <laughs> where I was like, Oh, like, who is that? Like, she's incredible. And then my parents being like, Oh, she's actually like, wasn't an actor first. She was like, you know, a, a performer and like musician and um, like found out that she covered uh, proud Mary, which is like one of my favorite CCR songs. And like her version is just, incredible and it, it led me down the rabbit hole and uh i think she was just an amazing amazing woman but uh, how about you guys Did, what was your like relationship to tina turner are you tina turner fans either of the actress or the, the <laughs> musician this is just another one of those where i generationally kind of missed her her peak Sure. And now that she's having a memoriam, I'm actually listening to her music and I'm like, oh, I, I dig this. I like this. So oh, yeah. not saying I'm glad she died, but saying like <laughs> it's it's good that at least a like celebrity's passing can make everyone revisit their work, including people that are like too young to have really been around for the first first pass. Absolutely. No, I think that's a really nice thing in a way, you know, that like people can discover like and have something good come out of it how about you will uh i was gonna say may i wouldn't worry about the difference in age too much on this because i mean growing up i knew of tina turner but i didn't really listen to much of her stuff and truth be told <laughs> when it comes to film like the most that i've probably seen that i know of uh the bodyguard always comes to mind, but I don't even know if I watched the entire movie. I feel bad about that. I do remember she, that she did like the um, she did the like the theme opening credit theme song for Goldeneye, the James Bond flick with Pierce Brosnan mm -hmm. back in the day. So that was that's something else too that I'll I'll think of. But it's probably those is two. She, but is she in like the bodyguard? Like as like I've never seen it before. I know like Winnie Houston was like the main character so oh, I'm, you know I'm what, not actually, trying to like mansplain uh, I just no, no, asking, like, if she's like a ancillary character because that's one of those movies that like the artwork is burned into my brain and of course Whitney no. Houston's like song no, no. but 
No, no, okay. Again, see, that's even worse. See, you can just cut that. No. Clearly, I'm getting my characters mixed up no, once again. Dude, like it's this is like another... that moment with Carl Sagan, right? With the book and everything. Like, nah. <laughs> it's but, just a, uh, you know, it's another uh, tragic, untimely like singer death, right? Like who was like a yeah. singer performer yeah. that like had a, a really big yeah. role. So I think like that's that's fine. I just genuinely did not know because I've not seen that movie before. It was huge uh, for kids, but um, you know what? I'm taking a look right now. Because <laughs> I feel really bad, I'd be like, "Yeah, Tina Turner bodyguard." I'm like this man clearly does not know. No, 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 no I promise. But I am legitimately curious because I think that somewhere along the way, it's kind of like random effects. Because it's not one of those things where, like, I'm tr- like intentionally getting it wrong. It's more like one of those things where it's like I feel like somewhere it crossed in my brain that I thought that, and then I'm like, "Nah, close." Whitney sure. Houston, Tina Turner. It's kind of like. Cary Grant and um, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck, like, yep. I know they're both awesome, like equally cool in their own way, and they both have like their unique style. But for some reason, it's like in my mind, I like flip flop them. So I don't know. I think it's one of those just will moments. No again, so that's okay. Well, I, I can cut around if you want, but I just nah, hey, we we said okay. on the session zero, we're not going to be experts. We're going to yeah. make mistakes. Uh, we gave that's you the true. disclaimer. It's cool. I do but, like to like fact you check myself though. <laughs> i feel like to fact check myself because uh you know especially in memorial too but uh i will say at least golden eye so i got one out of two you know it's 50 50 yeah. percent we're okay it's passable <laughs> that's a banger theme song too i like that golden yeah dude absolutely in terms of like if we wanted to rank some uh james bond intros it's definitely up there in my opinion but mm-hmm. uh but yeah how about you chris what's uh what comes to mind for you really just like the kind of the uh like mad max as far as movies go and and yeah. like i said the the ccr cover is really what got me into to the music and then like i, I think I, I don't remember what it's called i think it's it's like the ike and tina turner story is the subtitle and mm. now i'm gonna go ahead and go out on a limb and might get this wrong i think angela bassett played her but don't quote me on uh, that <laughs> let's see um learning more what's love got to do with it is what the name of it is yeah oh um, nice that was back and it was angela bassett so oh right um, really yeah it's a rough watch like if you like um are triggered by domestic violence you know because it really does portray that side of it um but angela bassett is just a powerhouse and it. it does a really good job so as far as biopics oh, go sure. there you go that's a recommendation as well but that's that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge is just like discovering her music randomly because of the ccr connection and all starting with mm. mad max um beyond thunderdome which is uh like i said without her it's not the same that movie would wouldn't be half as good so well r.i.p tina you will be missed all right uh, always hard to transition from that but let's have <laughs> a side quest to cheer us up how about that just an abrupt change. Just, just... <laughs> depends on what the side just... quest is. <laughs> I'm gonna flip this <laughs> and do a different one because I feel like we had this recently. So, is it throw your popcorn? <laughs> it's no, it was immersive experience. But okay. Ah, here we go. Anticipation is the <laughs> category. So this is where one of us will plug a film that is an upcoming release that we're looking forward to. So anybody got oh right up go ahead May <laughs> I have I have I have many actually so I have to narrow it down 
But I'm choosing to talk about the Barbie movie because that's Noise. the first one that I thought of. <laughs> uh, first of all, I will be seeing this as a double feature on release day because it also releases the same weekend as um, Oppenheimer, and I want to see them back to back. That's I'm cool. inviting myself to this. So yes, if yes. You're, you, if you're you and Marianne are very welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, the Barbie movie I'm very excited for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, Greta Gerwig is great. I I love uh, the chemistry between Marco Robbie and uh, Ryan Gosling. I think they're great mm. together. Everything I've seen from the trailers is very kind of like aggressively Barbie and pink, but also like kind of <laughs> offbeat and quirky. And I don't know, it's an attractive combo for me. And this is also me reclaiming my childhood because I was not allowed to have Barbies as a young girl. And I was always very jealous of my friends that had Barbies. And now I'm like, wait, I can embrace this extremely large woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, The first trailer being a big shout out to 2001 was just like. That's what I was alluding to. (laughs) Yeah. The very large woman that's also an obelisk. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm very excited for it personally uh and i think it's going to be very good um the costuming too is just phenomenal everything i've seen has been great yeah. what do you guys know about the barbie movie i've seen all i need to know that i'm definitely there day one the i really hope that it's as good as it looks like i'm a sucker for style so like I I have unlike you I have kind of blind faith given like the talent behind it um especially Greta Gerwig um so that's about it I don't know much about the plot or anything else nor do I care <laughs> I'm sold what about you Will I mean I it's the same reason it's who's in it it's who's produ- or producing and directing it and um I don't know like I I, in like a weird way, I feel like it, I'm hoping that it'll be like for Barbie what the Lego movie was for Legos. Like, I just I hope everything's awesome and I would be totally down to watch it. So thanks for sharing. Um, that's one of those categories that'll be evergreen because there's always new stuff to look forward to until the AI overlords replace us. And then I just refuse to watch any new movies if that happens. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, well, my backlog certainly got a lot easier to catch up on. But yeah, quick shout out to the writer's strike and oh, trying yeah. to stop that. <laughs> Listen, you know, when you interrupt shit like Stranger Things, that is like a huge moneymaker, like for now, maybe their biggest show. Like, I think you could argue um that's when like you really start to get the progress like i feel like in the moment i'm behind you so keep it up y'all yeah fully support that all right well we are gonna transition screens here and uh to our main topic which is mad max fury road so bear with me while i do that all right And as always, we'll kick it off with some general impressions. I think we established on the last episode that we've all seen this before. So I'd be kind of curious to hear like what your rewatch was like to start things off. So take it away. I'll go with Will first because you're in the top right. (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny. I think I, I was really pumped about it the first time I watched it. And I just find it stranger now the second time I've gone back and watched it. And it's not necessarily in a bad way. I just found it much, I, I don't know, it was interesting because 
what little I remember of like the Mel Gibson version versus like the Tom Hardy version is so different. And I think reading more about just how strenuous it was on set between him and Charlize Theron, I was like, that's man, I can't imagine like with everything else going on and all these like pyrotechnics and like dangerous stunts. Like I can't imagine like the stress level of having to deal with that and feeling like your coworker is like an antagonist on set. But um I think overall as a like as, with the film itself I think it's it's like bizarrely gorgeous because you have like these really sprawling beautiful like wide establishing shots and then you have like the crazy world that Mad Max exists in which you just kind of have to go with and gets progressively weirder but also like strangely beautiful and also violently beautiful and i just i go along for the ride no pun intended just because i love car chases <laughs> in the desert and the dystopian future so i'm down i'll watch it anytime <laughs> yeah um i remember being just kind of like blown away the first time i watched it because it was so different from other action films i'd seen up until that point and like also just instantly enamored by furiosa of course um but yeah, are you watching it? I, I kind of agree with that, Will, about like noticing just more weird. Um, like, I love a lot of the visual language and like symbols of the film. I don't love that like the, like all the disabled characters are evil and all the evil characters are disabled trope. That yeah. was not great. And I just completely overlooked that the first time I watched it. Um, but yeah, it's, it was impressive that the action scenes at least still like really held up for me as like being gripping, even though I knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's like a lot of the people, um, like in the, the universe definitely have some sort of not disability necessarily, but like something gross about them. Cause of the, I mean, like you think about, uh, his mates, like the guy behind you, I, I'm Hux. Is it Nux or Hux? Nux, Nux I, think. I think IMDb says like Nux Nux yes um <laughs> and obviously Furiosa is like missing a limb I hope we get to find out like what happened there um in the the prequel because I'm I am interested in that but um but yeah like there I think it's one of those things that it does feel a bit dated in terms of like po- post-apocalyptic tropes where like the grotesqueness is sort of like an integral part of like you think like the Baron and Dune, right? And like showing yeah. like the villainy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Marianne actually, I can't take credit for that, pointed out on the rewatch. She's like, hey, he's very like Baron Harkonnen, isn't he? And I was like, Yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, but yeah, I do like the color palettes, a lot of like really striking like blues and oranges, which I think is very, very like cool. Um, for a color palette. Um, I think the design of the vehicles in particular is like such a standout thing for me in this, like. I don't know how functional anything would actually be, but they make it look like it belongs right there. Uh, yeah. And I did appreciate the invincibility of the cars until they needed to not be invincible too. Like there's some, as an insurance adjuster, some crashes where I'm like, yeah, not that you're not getting that back up and running like like out there <laughs> in the desert. But, um, but yeah, like uh, it, it's a definitely a cool ride. I think for what's essentially one long car chase with a couple of little breathers in between like it's pretty amazing that it can hold people's attention for so long and not feel like it's like repetitive or like i think like in the wrong hands it could certainly be a movie that your eyes glaze over after like an hour or so um 
And I agree with you, Will. Um, as much as I don't like the man, Mel Gibson was a way more interesting Max than Tom Hardy. This is really a Furiosa movie at its core. Yeah. And it's no surprise that I think she's the feature character for the next film. Um, it's almost like Max is like they could have changed his name to like literally anything and it wouldn't have made any impact on my enjoyment of this but it puts yeah. asses in the seats so there that's why you have it <laughs> um so moving on uh i wanted to ask since we are talking about a po- an apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic film here as part of the discussion like what's your favorite unique aspect to like this the world building like what's something that stood out to you that's unique to the mad max world i gotta say it's the cars man that's what you were talking about i mean you look at some of like the souped up rides that they've got like uh it's emoton joe Immortan joe sorry um mm-hmm. who's got like two cadillacs like one on top <laughs> of the other is his double caddies rolling out on some like monster truck wheels you know and that to me it's i think that's sort of like the signature look right between that and like the the like the dudes that have like the weird helmets and you know like war gear i guess um that is or isn't covering their body depending on the needs of the plot (laughs) uh, those two usually stand out to me when i think of mad max whether it's like all the well maybe not the first one like two through fury road i feel like have that sort of consistent at that point so I I can't say if this is like specific to this movie, but what I love about it the most is just the two kind of plot twists that you get. Because when you're first starting it, you're thinking, okay, this is a Mad Max movie. This is going to be about Max and his like escape or maybe like his like rise to like resist a Morton Joe. And like very early on, it's kind of like Furiosa's just completely taking that plot and being like, uh, no, this is a feminist mission to liberate these women and get to the promised land. <laughs> uh, and the rest of the movie is just that up until they get to what was supposed to basically be their promised lands and it's gone. And I love that it was gone and that it forces them to turn around and be like, okay, I guess we're just bringing down a Morton Joe then and then they go do it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I love I love that I couldn't really predict which way the plot was going to go. No, it's definitely not cliche for a post-apocalyptic movie and a lot especially like plot-wise. I mean, yes, I think that the, like it definitely is a salute to like all the Mad Max movies before it certainly in terms of like the look and everything, but yeah, I think you're you're bang on. I had no idea. I thought like, oh, they're going to get to the promised land and then it's going to be like a standoff where like Immortan Joe shows up and they have to like defend the fort kind of thing which mm-hmm. is i think what they do in the road warrior there's like a big face off at like you know the base or whatever but i was glad also that they didn't do that because it's kind of satisfying to like watch them do like kind of a reverse charge you know chase whatever like turn the tables kind of cool yeah and then also like i i see a lot of the plot as just being kind of furiosa's character journey and mm-hmm. I like that her natural impulse is anyone's natural impulse. I think in a scenario like this is just to flee for safety. And it's only when that is completely ripped away from her. She's like, all right, I guess we're just going to take him down. <laughs> Actually yeah. rebel. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's like just like the, the overall world building and what they do in this film, like in terms of like just 
stating things as like a simple fact with like out caving to the temptation to over explain stuff. Like they th- say things like the bullet factory and, you know, um, goes a lean town or whatever. And it's just like, they don't have to be like, that's where you get the, the gasoline, right? Like they just show like this thing with like fire shooting up and you're like, you can guess that it's a refinery just from the visual imagery and bullet town, same thing. Um, and then with that, like kind of having like the different factions and the looks of them, um, was all really really cool to me i think it just um trust the viewer to just put it all together through context clues and then if you're not quick enough on the uptake there like you can still sort of enjoy it on a on a surface level but yeah that's that's definitely my i think a lot of post-apocalyptic movies like try to over explain things and not just trust the viewer to put it together uh on like a scale of one to ten or however you want to quantify it like where do you rate the plausibility of this post-apocalypse in terms (laughs) of like not like is it believable in the context of the film but i mean like overall plausibility like how likely is this (laughs) post-apocalypse to be what things would be like if we're assuming that like this is like some sort of post-nuclear disaster i think right do I believe that there's only going to be five beautiful people left alive <laughs> in the world? Mm. I don't well, you know. You got three out of the five right here. So, I yeah. mean, <laughs> it happens tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's probably the implausible part of this film. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah. you know what? I, I believe in the conflict. I believe that it would be tribal in some way. I, I could I could roll with that idea. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if they would have souped up cars like that or um, awesome uh, rock slap. Well, the big drums and then like the uh, you know the, the massive <laughs> guitar with the flamethrower on it. That would be cool. Don't get me wrong. That would be that. I've never seen something more metal than what I saw. You know, in that in that chase. But um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with maybe 50 50 50 on that <laughs> okay that's not bad I mean <laughs> genuinely so you're saying you can you can buy into about half of like what the portrayal yeah. of the world is okay yeah not bad. I could I could see that yeah I'm gonna give this a one out of ten <laughs> and, and, go ahead uh I'll explain why because I I've always seen this movie as like pretty much pure metaphor like i don't think anything Mm. is supposed to actually work this way Mm. i just feel like if you're you know running post-apocalyptic fiction and you're trying to like critique the u.s and like the course of the world right now and like capitalism and all these things like yeah you're going to have a bullet town and a gasoline town and you're going to have water shortages and you're going to have all these crazy car battles and <laughs> it just it just feels like all part of like the the kind of like critique and the I, I don't see any of this is actually supposed to work even in universe. So I, I give it a one. Yeah, um, so interesting that you bring that up. Um, I, I was doing a little background on George Miller. Uh, I guess he was an ER doctor um, mm-hmm. before he became a filmmaker and the gas crisis of the 70s is what fueled the idea for the original Mad Max, which is incredibly grounded compared to this. Like the world's still kind of going. Like there's like some resource scarcity, but and things are on their way to really bad. But um, 
you can definitely see a, like a more grounded inspiration to like what it becomes. So I'm with you, man. I, I I'm putting this at about a one. Um, like it's a ten <laughs> for enjoyment and like for for all the symbolism and whatnot. But I there's so many things I feel like are like really over exaggerated. Like I. I'm a pretty cynical person, but I have a hard time believing like the human race would just completely devolve like that. There, Everyone would just be a maniac, like part of a, a clan and that the Furiosas and Maxes of the world would be like rarities. But um, I know that's maybe a little optimistic, but so sue me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you have, just... enough, you have enough paint, man. Find out what happens. Right. Like, <laughs> was that silver paint? They were like. <laughs> The chrome, that's what it was, right? I'm sorry, May. What were you going to say? This world just seems like a logistical nightmare, too. Because it's like, it's darkly <laughs> funny watching that water scene at the beginning where they're like distributing the water in the least practical way possible. It was like True. a show of, as a show of power and force, it is shocking. But it's like, you know, people would just be dead if that was how they regularly got their water. The that water, doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you have to keep the people you're oppressing alive at the very least. <laughs> You know they're like they would have to they just go on the other side of the canyon and practice your uh, your free climb and your bouldering and then just like take a little strike force up there at night like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but you're right all right great well um my next question is so like a lot of post apocalyptic movies not all because I feel like there's usually like two types of endings it's like hope is stamped out <laughs> or like <laughs> hope like starts to kind of blossom, but doesn't come to fruition and you're kind of left like wandering. And then this definitely falls in the latter category. My question to you is, are you convinced? Like, do you feel like things are going to change and like that this world can, can get better based on how the film ends? Yes. <laughs> Expound. Um, as long as Furios is leading it, yes, I think it's possible. But yeah, like asterisk. Um, I think that there's still a lot of folks from the old regime that might have an issue with that. So I'm sure there's going to be some sort of conflict. Uh, since. What was it? It was like the the trainees that a Morton Joe, basically trainee status like dudes that a Morton Joe had left behind were still there. But I don't know. You get enough people that are, you know, that want water that badly uh, that see somebody who will actually like be more of a savior to them than the last person. I think that it's possible. That being said, who knows? I mean, it, it could, I, I'll flip flop and say that it's possible they could just as well hate everything that happens after that and still have issues and want to like argue about it. But I don't know. I, I would choose to feel more optimistic about the end for the film. And then, you know, Max goes off and does his other adventures somewhere else. He just pieces out. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it all worked out. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to be hopeful on this one. Okay. So you, you're pretty convinced that there's legitimate hope anyway like even if it's mm -hmm. not a certain thing okay maybe because <laughs> i i think there's like a, a also a point to the film ending with them bringing a martin joe's body back and like proving that they've overthrown him and just cutting there um 
I think the movie isn't really about like the the after and like the rebuilding. I think it's really just about like finally defeating your oppressor. And it could be that like there's a civil war that breaks out the next day or any number of things. And it doesn't matter, I guess, because they they at least got rid of a Martin Joe. So it's yeah. it's hopeful in the sense of like they defeated the oppressor, but things could get better or worse the next day. And so this is where I like the cynical part of me like does kind of come because they, they lay a lot of groundwork to try to convince you, right, that things are going to work out. You see the pouch of seeds. You have sort of the oppressive like patriarchy, like replaced with the seemingly like more reasonable like matriarchal like you know like group of women because not all of them die right there's like a few besides Mm -hmm. the like um the women that furiosa rescues like from her tribe that make it back right so like you've got a pretty decent foundation for some good leadership the cynical part of my brain when i was watching this was like it really came down to like how the crowd like mentality and like i was like okay so you do have some good leadership foundation here and like some resources but this world is so fucked like how you would have to fundamentally change the entire world from the looks of it like um as i pointed out earlier there's not a lot of really decent people around um (laughs) and that i'm not convinced of like that like anybody could do that certainly not in any short span of time like you would really have to work at it. Um, and not only would like you have to change like that little fortress area, but then now you have to like worry about like all the other people and fighting off like, you know, and like bartering for resources. And so like it felt to me this most recent time like um a little more like inevitable. And I think it's really like the key scene was when she goes back to the green place and they're like, yeah. That di- that dream didn't work out, and I'm like, I kind of wonder if this is just another green place where it's enough to get you by to the next day, but probably gonna have a similar result. And it kind of bummed me out because I didn't feel that way the first time I saw it at all. But that's, that's another reason I don't like trying to take like a a practical interpretation of the movie. I prefer it just to be metaphorical because if you're going for like realism um it would also be like a group of women trying to lead a deeply sexist like violently sexist society that like until recently most of them were in the same harem right like that's they're not going to get respected or viewed as leaders furiosa had to basically take on a very masculine role and masculinize herself just to like not end up in the same position as the other women and yeah i don't think they would follow them necessarily i think there'd be a lot of pushback yeah glad they had that lift i guess to the only way up or down (laughs) (laughs) reality sets in (laughs) we control the water like you know so yeah uh here's here's my next question for you both um (laughs) i thought this would be a fun one you personally do you think you would survive at this world like would you make it oh fuck no man are you kidding me (laughs) i'm sorry that's just that's i love that question that's amazing no there's no there's no way in hell i would live i would totally die in this world (laughs) even like you wouldn't be like one of the like the the people with the little pails getting the the water you don't think (laughs) 
<laughs> you just give up. Uh, you know what? I got to work on like my core strength so I can be one of those Cirque du Soleil performers on like the poles zipping in and out from the cars in the chase scene, man. That's uh, I got to work. I got to work on legs and some cardio and some other stuff to be prepared for that mess because there's no way. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was going to say, because if it's not the uh, if it's not like tumors and stuff that gets you right, it's going to be like starvation or just getting your ass kicked on the when you go off the beaten path. Yeah, define surviving like for the couple of days the movie takes place during or just in general. Do you think like if you were thrust into this world, you'd be able to make it one way or the other? No. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I would try to be a Furiosa, and then my bad hand-eye coordination would get me killed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'd lose my contacts, and then I'd yeah, be, I'd be like, I'm just blind now, and I gotta be like, I gotta learn how to like fight people really well, like Donnie Yen and John Wick Four. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I probably would just end up giving up, like. <laughs> like I, I'd, I'd get really discouraged. Like I was like, like you see this guy over here. Like what, what's all that about? Like I just <laughs> realized that there's no hope, and I'd probably just go out in the desert and die, or just become one of the still people, like out in the swamp. Like <laughs> you know, just too weird for anyone to approach. Like you know, yeah. unsettling. Like, but yeah, I think it would be a tough world to live in. The resource scarcity, definitely, but just the overwhelming amount of violence and tribalism, like, I feel like the best I could hope for is to become somebody's slave, unfortunately. Like, I don't have have the stuff. I don't have the stuff. Like, that's that's about it. Like, I'm not crazy enough to be one of the uh, the war boys or whatever they're called. Like, you know. Nice. Um, Yeah. Should we start calling you Splendid? Is that (laughs) be your name? Yeah. Uh, oh but i thought I like, like hey uh, oh go ahead no you're good what are you gonna say hey as we do these apocalypse movies like that should definitely be a featured question is like do you think you would survive because like there's certain you... apocalyptic scenarios where i'm like yeah i think i could like give it a good go like i don't know how successful because like luck is always involved with some of that <laughs> oh but yeah this one, i feel pretty certain like i would be duped it's it's like would you survive the hunger games that classic question. yes there you go <laughs> Um, so we know Furiosa is getting uh her own prequel like film. Uh another question I had is like if you could learn more about like another character or like plot point in this, like either through a prequel or like a TV series, like is there somebody or something that you would love to know more about? Like because yeah, I feel like we get a lot of glimpses and, and some some decent world building for what essentially is a chase movie, but um, the obvious one for me is Immortan Joe, which, but I guess he's going to be part of the Furiosa film. So, um, honestly, like, um, curious though if there's like any of the other characters or aspects. Just knowing what the rest of the world looks like, probably not even the whole world. Just like what what are some other areas looking like? Like, I'm I'm sure the area in the film, which is probably like, I don't know how far they drive but like the space of a few u.s states like not too huge it's australia it takes place in australia okay, like the yeah film frame because that's where he's from so yeah well what's happening in new zealand like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's probably great compared you know, <laughs> like you know, i'd be curious on just glacier to see water. How, how other like societies handle the, the apocalypse they're going through 
yeah i think that'd be that'd be very interesting to have like an, another look like right like um it'd almost be like how civilizations developed at like rapidly different rates like in ancient civilizations and like there's a lot of things that were similar and, and things that are radically different so that's actually not a bad idea. I love an anthology series where it was like a different part of the world for each episode, like in the Mad Max mm, universe. Yeah. These guys have Grenade Town instead of Bullet Town. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Will? Any particular aspect or character you'd like to know more about? Uh, I guess uh, presumably we'll learn more about the green place then we'll see what life was like for her beforehand. So that's sort of off the table because that will be there. Um, I like the idea about different areas. Like, you know, so if this is in Australia, I mean, I'm assuming we're in the outback, but I could be wrong. That's a pretty generalized American view of what I think of what I think of Australia. So it would be nice to know like what the coast would look like for comparison. Uh, piggybacking off of May's comments, but if there was a character, um, or aspect of the world, like yeah, doesn't have to be a character necessarily. Man, that's hard. I want to know where they get all their cars from. Like, do they? Do they? Is there just like a scrapyard somewhere where a bunch of stuffs just all throw together? Because they always have cars, but I never really see where they get the cars from. So, or where they have like spare parts when the cars break down, if they, I'm assuming they have to break down. So, cause that's a lot of sand. So I would like to know that. I mean, that's, it's sort of like, I guess if we're looking at this as a metaphor, then it's not really necessary, but from the technical aspect of it, I would like to know. So the movie logic tells me they get it from car town (laughs) (laughs) or or auto town. (laughs) Excuse you, it's Carville. Carville, Carville, yes, nice. (laughs) Where we get our automobiles, yes. Uh, Yeah, that would be interesting to see where all this crap comes from, or if there's like other random pieces of the old old world, so like planes or helicopters or I don't know, just anything else electronic that could be used to like soup up your car so i think it would be cool yeah uh for for me like in the way that um they've done some really interesting things with like franchises where they strip it down to like the basics and show you like the common person's like experience like i would love to see like a story where it's like not like a a hero type like a Furiosa or a Max but like somebody else that has to like live in this world and just fucking get by and like navigate as just a regular person like day day to day I think that would be kind of interesting to see like and probably heartbreaking too like I imagine that would be a pretty big bummer um, story to tell but yeah just watching all those people trying to get their water and just looks like a shitty existence um, for sure like I wonder what, what they I mean there's almost like religious um reverence right for immortan joe like because he controls the resources like he's almost become like a demigod to to all those people for no other reason than that really you know yeah so cool right well um that is all i have for like specific topics so i wanted to kind of open it up and see if there's anything else either of you wanted to talk about with the film since it is uh it's wild and the possibilities are literally endless for for this movie um i would love to talk about nux partly just because <laughs> i think it's funny that he is both the comic relief character and the love interest 
which is usually <laughs> not, not the combo in like yeah. the action film. <laughs> Solid. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, yeah, I'd like to hear more, like, on your thoughts. I mean, he is—he's kind of the heart, and and by that, I don't mean like like the center of the film, but like he's he's where you kind of get a lot of the emotional like moments. It's watching him go from like fervor, fervent, like you know, worshiper of Immortage. Oh, he looked at me like whoa, <laughs> to like realizing. And how I mean, you know, he, he's the one that kind of helps you inspire hope that maybe people can change. But yeah, what what about Nux? Yeah, I just think he's an interesting character, and it's kind of like you you have all these people that are so ready for death, and yeah, I think that journey is only possible because he was so prepared to die and he was about to die, and when that was taken from him, he was like almost mad about it at first. He was like, you know, you you robbed me of my uh, glorious end, essentially. Um, but then he like makes him appreciate life in a way that he hadn't before and like other options. And um, yeah, that's kind of a beautiful story. And it's just so funny that it's someone like Nux, who is just so ridiculous as a person, <laughs> <that> <laughs> communicates that he's the vessel for that moral. Um, but no, I, I love Nux. He's like, after Furiosa, he's my favorite. Him, him dropping the pistol like oh, I fucked it big time and like, <laughs> and Joe going mediocre <laughs> 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 it's one of my favorite moments like ever like uh, it's kind of like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed you know <laughs> yeah um it, but it, it is kind of lovely to see him like experience like actual kindness for the first time and acceptance like beyond just being like an instrument of like you know death and uh how he reacts and changes to that plus his mates like i forget what their names are but like his little tumors uh oh yeah it's such a nice little moment weird but like it's nice like (laughs) and like little smiley faces on him right He's a little uh, he's a little too hard on the Kool-Aid for me, man. But uh I think I I think I like Nux because I like Nicholas Holt and how he typically delivers a lot of the characters that he plays. And so I think that it's endearing because of because of that. I think he makes Nux more endearing. Um and also the fact that he gets his butt kicked so much in this film and he just keeps on trucking, man. You're like, oh, he's gotta be dead. And you're like, nope, he's still good. He almost got his arm blown off by Max to try and get him severed when they were chained together. Nope, you know, like he's he stays pretty well, you know, intact for most of that film, even though he thinks he's gonna die like at least two or three times. Um, so yeah, it is sort of like strangely comedic and entertaining, and you you grow to like him more because he sort of seems like he's learning like he has character development so i guess maybe i should flip flop I, I i think that by the end i liked it more than i did to start out with so i guess that says that it worked but uh yeah <laughs> overall he's just he's a little spastic so <laughs> yeah um but yeah no i i'm trying to think if there's anything else about the film that i wanted to ask you guys about but any other thoughts on nux before i i, I change it over no and if you need time i have one more topic that sprang to mind and nice that's that's just practical effects like i think this is a fantastic example of like practical mm-hmm. effects will always be better than cg Oh yeah, and absolutely. Like, Hands down. I know it's not as safe 
and i know like it's it's costly sometimes but so much of what makes this movie work is just that like they shot it in the australian outback there's real stunt people doing real crashes and jumping on like pole vaulting poles from like one car to the next and it just it sells you so well on what's what's happening right but it's, yeah. it's wasn't really uh and like Charlize Theron and like Tom Hardy were like doing some of that those stunts too right like there's one point where she's like literally holding him on that rig is that right yeah I feel like yeah I know right. they I don't like, know like the specifics but yes I know they did a lot of stunt work yeah so that is that is pretty awesome I I would agree with you 100 I'm way into the the practical effects than I'll ever be for CGI. Except, you know, with the stuff where you kind of need like a little bit of special effects just to, because clearly you're not going to ride into a tornado or a sandstorm. But, you know. Right. Not <laughs> with that you know, attitude, with, you're not. With... <laughs> <laughs> Gear up, man. Let's do it. Yep. That's right. Hey, you know what? If you're in a Christopher Nolan film, everything's real. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I, th- I think that's definitely one of the... Um, it's a lost art in a lot of ways because of the, the the fact that people rely on CGI so much. Part of me sort of wonders if, and this is off, probably a little off topic, but I wonder if that Marvel films would be a little bit more endearing still if they relied more on that and less on like, yeah. over the, like, just like, way, just so much detail that you're just sort of lost in looking at this kaleidoscope of color every time you watch a Marvel movie. But, um, but yeah, though the, uh, I think I'm always impressed by, and I, I know I'm kind of like rambling here, but I'm I'm always impressed with practical effects, especially when it is like in a very harsh environment that you have to get all this stuff to work really well, and to be able to do the car chase and the flips and making sure everybody stays safe, like you were talking about, and to just pull it off, you know, to choreograph the whole thing and just to have everything come together. It's, it's, I feel like the matrix, like in uh, the second matrix movie where they did the highway chase. And it's just like, it's incredible what you do when you like, really you plan it out and you have a great crew to be able to pull that off. And I think it was like Cirque du Soleil uh, dudes on those pole vaults. So, I mean, it was like really, they got really good, they did, they had experts for what they needed and they pulled it off really well. So yeah, it was awesome. awesome. I think it's interesting that Will initiated the Marvel bashing this time. You know, <laughs> you're not uh, wrong. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's true. It's yeah. it's not like I agree as well. <laughs> it it wouldn't be so bad if it was used sparingly sparingly, but I feel like so much of it is just like I might as well be reading a comic book like and I know like some people might see that as a like a compliment but I'm like there's nothing about this that like feels like I'm watching like real people do real stuff and I feel like that's kind of what you should go for I don't know see even a comic book can have like a distinct like aesthetic and a distinct style and like communicate a lot with color and like what was saying, it just seems like they use like every color possible, bright neon, like all the time. And there isn't much storytelling happening with the CGI when they could actually, be, even without going to practical effects, they could use the CGI in a more intentional way. And they don't even do that. Yeah, I know it's not a perfect movie by any means, but like the the Watchmen film, I feel like like one of the aspects that they got right 
from the comic was using the secondary color palette. So like a lot of golden age and silver age comics were like your primary colors, you know, uh, a lot of yellow, blue, red, and Watchmen's a lot of purples and like greens and mm-hmm. like really like weird, like, you know, color combinations. And the film at least gets that look right. It means Zack Snyder has never been lacking on style. Sometimes it's just more substance and casting choices, but that'll be a different tangent. So like <laughs> I do, I do wish Marvel would have like taken more cues from the source material because some of the artwork's really cool. Like when you look at like some of the, stuff that like inspired some of these like films like the storylines they draw from and you're like why didn't you use that like 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 that would just in and of itself be an achievement for like the evolution of like what they're trying to do but yeah thanks well for pulling us yet into another marvel uh (laughs) yeah i like to i like to pull the trigger on that man and every once in a while i just like to poke the bear it's all good (laughs) I think That's it's probably because I just like watched Ant-Man 3 and so it's in it, it's on my mind where I was just like there's so much color everywhere. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Did you have anything else that you wanted to cover? I know I made you like talk about <laughs> something tangentially which probably interrupted. Excuse no, me your chain fine. of thought but I think if there's anything we've learned is that if my brain is all over the place, so I'm just going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh and sometimes what we don't want to talk about, but the <laughs> I guess so this is like, I feel like I, the answer to this question is yes, before I ask it, but did Splendid actually die in this film? Did we, I mean, there seemed like there was a chance that maybe she didn't, but then we never see her after that. And I was sort of like, I feel like she didn't make it. Most of the rest of that that crew didn't make it. So I'm going to assume that she probably didn't, but I'm just curious if you guys thought that she did or didn't, because like nothing like after that there's just like you don't see her at all yeah i'm gonna say i think dead yeah i agree and i think they just like were like we got too many characters getting wounded and dying to spend much more <laughs> screen time <laughs> you're uh, just gonna imply <laughs> yeah deleted scene maybe yeah. wait so like that's the childbirth like yeah one right Oh yeah, she's definitely like, yeah. You think okay? Because like she went under the wheel, but she didn't see like any like oh, I don't no, know. She's... She went under the car, didn't necessarily go under the wheel. But then they were like, she's still breathing, and then they like, but then he like basically just like tore into her to get the baby out. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. probably dead. No, Mar- Marianne and I were joking about that too. Like, sorry, it's my sick sense of humor. I'm like, uh, like I know she's like a Victoria's Secret model and whatever. Like, uh, but. You would not look that good. <laughs> you run over by a car. Like, <laughs> that would be gross. Uh, and yeah. I, there would not be any question if that baby was dead either. You certainly wouldn't be holding like a pretty immaculate body and be like, maybe the baby survived. No. No. <laughs> but, but yeah, she did. And if she wasn't, she was dead after they pulled the baby out. Put it that way. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was not like a gentle C section. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, and now I'm having like, really terrible flashbacks to house of the dragon like the first episode anyway oh. you know you know if you oh, know man. you know oh, God. i heard yeah. about it and that's why i decided not to watch house of the dragon you can just fast <laughs> just fast forward through it it's fine you know you'll know when it's coming you got plenty of warning you can just read a recap Ooh. after that that starts but okay um well last call any other thoughts on mad max before we play a round of keyword countdown. I would really quickly like to go back to something Will brought up. 
Sweet. Because ah. I hadn't read about this. But he said, like, Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron were fighting all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Don't encourage you to read some of the uh, <laughs> some of the articles that, like, have kind of immortalized this. There's some pretty choice quotes from Charlize directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let Will summarize because, you, uh, like, you sounds like you, you read about it between episodes, and I haven't read about it since long before we recorded this. Um, so... I am familiar Uh, with the feud. Yeah, mostly that it was like, for what it sounded like, I guess, in a nutshell, and and, um, if I'm wrong, please fact check me. But I feel like it was like, Charlize was there and was very, like, professional and on time and ready to do stuff. And Tom is, I guess, notoriously, like, late and just kind of shows up whenever and was sort of, like, in character and just gruff and antagonistic. And so at one point, she just, like, snaps at him. And starts arguing with him about his behavior and he kind of pushed back and then she just didn't feel safe around him so she had a producer on set with her for most of the time after that and then when things sort of came toward the end of the storyline and their characters are supposed to sort of get along that suddenly they seem to get along as people on set to the point where i think somebody was quoted as being like are they like high right now or like on something like why are they okay with each other <laughs> it's acting so. baby I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> is Tom unless... Hardy a method actor? Yeah, that's what I. Or at least that's what I was reading about. Is that 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 is his style? So he so. was method acting friendship towards the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yep. I think it was a combination of like his, his diva behavior mostly, and then like yeah. trying to not like a lot of method actors read the room and be like, "Hey, turn it off for a second and have a real yeah. conversation and pick up on the cues." Like. That you're getting from your co-workers basically hmm. i'll save my rant on method acting for now sweet i'll make a note about uh, that yeah <laughs> uh that might be a great like opener topic to talk about what it is like mm-hmm. where it started and then like at its core at its core what it's supposed to be because like daniel day lewis is you know like a famous one um to mm-hmm has some interesting stories but like i don't think anything that comes to mind where he like ever got out of hand i think the closest thing that i read about and i don't even know if it's true is that like at one point like he was chasing paul dano around the crafts table at like the there will be blood like and just like trying to get him like on edge before they were shooting a particular scene like when i say chasing around like kind of like ranting at him and yelling at him you know <laughs> like, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> um but i don't know if that's true or not so like please don't sue us uh dano day lewis for uh for slander <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this is something that I read. Um, so I'm not putting it forth as true, but yeah. Um, Screen Quest gets hit with libel with a libel suit. Slander is spoken in print. It's libel. <laughs> uh, it's only it's only libel if it's in print. So I think we're good there as long as I don't put it in the description. Ah, it's just slander. Nice. It's just slander. Yeah. Ah, nice. No subtitles. <laughs> don't do it. Same <laughs> Remy Spider Man taught me that, baby. J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Well, hey, thanks for for buckling up for the literal ride um, of Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Encourage you if they like. I noticed like none of them were on streaming services, which was I was like, ah oh, man. Um, but uh, you, if you're interested, uh, like I said, they are they range from like good to great for the prior entries and the films. If if you can stomach Mel Gibson, I know a lot of people don't love him, which is understandable. But yeah. second one in particular is very good. So. All right, let me pull up my notes here and let's play some keyword countdown, shall we? Do it, do it, do it, do it. All right. Witness me. 
<laughs> All shiny and curled. Yes. <laughs> for a quick reminder for our listeners, Keyword Countdown is a game that was created by Gavin Murphy or Gav from RKG Video, which makes some of the best videos on the internet. And I think most recently they just finished a full playthrough of the Dead Space remake. So if you like having lots of laughs and watching three best friends play a video game, highly recommend their stuff. Thank you, Gab, for letting us play Keyword Countdown on occasion. So this is going to be Keyword Countdown Apocalypse Edition. So I'm giving you a little clue here to help you narrow down some of the categories. Um, I will be honest, a couple of these might be a little on the harder side, depending on your movie knowledge. I try not to be, go like super obscure. Um, like, for example, I was going to do A Boy and His Dog, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure neither of them have seen that movie. Um, and maybe not even heard of it. So uh, I did go like with at least movies that I know you've heard of and likely have enough pop culture knowledge that you should be able to get it by the end. That being said, who's ready for your first film? Let's do it. Hey. Film number one, and I almost said the title, damn, because like I have it at the top. <laughs> I need to stop doing that. All right, clue number one, low-budget film. Low-budget film. Waterworld. Was that low-budget? Uh, that is not one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just bad. <laughs> you know what, Waterworld is basically the ocean version of Mad Max, so... <laughs> I had a high school friend who was so convinced that Waterworld was going to like rise like the cream to the top, like at 20 years down the road, become a classic. And that has not come true. Some people hey, like it. But anyway, I was going to say, I, I actually like Waterworld. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'll, uh, no, no, it's 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 a crazy ass movie. Don't get me wrong. You're completely you're completely right. But I I just I like it. So. I haven't seen it since <laughs> I was a kid. So um, I, I can't really talk shit one way or the other. All right. Clue number two. Ghetto. Ghetto. All right. Clue number three: Murder of a child. Murder of a child. I haven't seen it, but the original Mad Max. Not a bad guess, but it's not the that's one. True. His yeah. wife and child do die in that, but that's not. It's the not much of a spoiler because that's what kicks things off. But yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No, right. Clue number four: Police officer killed. Police officer killed. Hmm. Right. Clue number five: Motorcycle. Oh, I feel like this has got to be. <laughs> Do you know, El? No, I, I just I like in my mind. I feel like that should be like something that should like bring it all together. I don't know. I'm just on a vehicle kick right now. I'm just going to just throw some random stuff out there. Judge Dredd. Nope. (laughs) I wish. God, I wish it was. (laughs) All right. And this is where we start answering, like, I'm going to peel back. Like, it'll get a little more obvious with each one. So fear not. Clue number six, consumerism. Consumerism. Wally. Really not a bad guess at all, except for the murder of the child in police. Officer, I was going to say, but... Pixar, had, Pixar would not go that bad, like that dark. They'll kill somebody's wife, but they're not going to kill a kid. I mean, Wally is kind of kid coded, and they do briefly kill him. Okay. That's true. That's true. That's true. This is not the one. Wally, like, suffered, like, the version of, like, 
I don't know, like a lobotomy or like Alzheimer's or something. Like, oh man. A lobotomy, I think, would be the closest. Yeah. Yeah. Keep All right. Your next next clue is another <laughs> method of transport. And that is a helicopter. Helicopter is your next clue. It's the low budget thing that's killing me though. I know. The day the earth stood still. Terminator. <laughs> no and no. Right. The Terminator. <laughs> no. Like throw in the article so we know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sequel is your next clue. Sequel. Terminator 2. <laughs> Judgment Day. <laughs> no. yeah. Um budget sequel. Motorcycle. So I'll recap quickly. Low budget film, ghetto. Murder of a child, police officer killed, motorcycle, consumerism, helicopter, sequel. If Isaac is out there listening, uh, he knows, I'm sure by now, he's probably screaming it at the top of his lungs. That's a little bit of a, a clue there, because your next clue is zombie virus. So that'll clue you into the, the genre. Zombie virus is your next clue. That's World the War penultimate. Z. It's not World War Z. All right, that, that was not low budget. Um, oh, 28 days later. Mm-hmm. No, there's no motorcycles then. Sorry. <laughs> I Am Legend wasn't low budget. No. That was a dog, not a kid. It's the kid sorry. of the dog world, okay? <laughs> That's true. I'm not, like, I'm not downplaying it. That was a sad moment <laughs> in that movie. That was like, man, yeah. You ready for, for the for the gimme? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we need it. <laughs> Shopping mall. Shopping mall is your gimme. Uh, I'm about <laughs> to be ashamed of both of you. And I know Dawn one movie dead. that we're definitely <laughs> Yeah, it is Dawn of the Dead. Uh, nice job. Man. The 1978 uh, version to to uh specify one of the great like social commentary horror films of our time, believe it or not. For a movie that has such a silly title and is like really over the top and gore, famously depicted issues of racial violence, um, specifically against like minorities by police officers is a really amazing like scene in the opening when things are going to shit. And then, of course, like famously takes place uh, for most of it in a shopping mall, little microcosm shot in Pennsylvania. So nice job. Well, that's one point for Will. (laughs) Noise on board. All right. (laughs) You guys are going to do significantly better on this next one. I have no doubt. I did give, I did have some some films that uh, I was like, I know they've seen this um, peppered in there. I just wanted to make it a little competitive. That's all. So new film, first clue, Raccoon. <laughs> Remember, they're, they're supposed to be obscure, Mister Mister Laffy McLafferson over there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just I immediately thought of two things. I thought of everywhere or everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> yeah. I thought of Rakakuni and I thought of... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get that out of my mind now. Um and wait a course... second. Everything everywhere all at once is kind of an apocalypse movie. Kind of. It Not is. post-apocalypse though. Um, no. which I should have like I should have quantified that. This is post-apocalyptic, really, okay. like edition. But all right, Rakakuni, let's do it. Uh Raccoon. All right, next clue. Oh, go ahead. You want to get? You want to guess, May? She's looking for ten. Go ahead. It's I'll a give, ridiculous one, but cocaine bear. 
It's not cocaine. <laughs> there must have been a raccoon in that. I think. Oh yeah, maybe. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I, w- I wouldn't doubt it. I haven't yet either. <laughs> All right. Second clue: regret. Is it the raccoon that regrets? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say probably not specifically raccoon regret. All righty. Next clue: earphones. Uh, sorry. I'm just trying to think. Uh, a quiet place. It is. It's a quiet oh, place. Nice. Great that job. Is eight Ooh, points for you. Mr. Rotondi. So, remaining clues were three-word title, radio mm. transmitter, stepping on a nail, sitting on top of a silo, hand <laughs> on a pregnant stomach, which, believe it or not, is a clue in IMDb plot words, uh, <laughs> deaf child, and then Again, believe it or not, trying to avoid making noise is a mm. plot keyword that you can click on and see other movies that share that plot keyword. So, all Good right. That's okay. Nice. It's two films down, nine points for Will. May, you are still very much in this. It's okay. This is not my category whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not expecting to be very competitive here. Well, fair enough. Um, I think, I, I believe though, you can totally still do it. And here we go. Quite the first clue for your next film. Rare, or sorry, rare, not rare. Very different word. Rear male nudity. Rear. Rare male male nudity. (laughs) Rare male nudity. It is rare. Only heard of in myth. They're catching up these days, you know. There's more dong, more dong being hung than 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 that's like that's like just solely thanks to HBO, though. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) But yeah, rear male nudity. So some good old dude butts. <laughs> the Hunger Games? Nope, not a bad guess though. I felt like that happened in one of them. Um... <laughs> what? I was a teen. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I am not shaming whatsoever. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I remember these things. <laughs> you always remember your first male butt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that was probably Marty McFly in Back to the Future. (laughs) (laughs) The third one. Oh, man. Sorry, digressed. Please continue. Here's your next clue. Brain surgery. Oh, shit. Mm. Butts and brains. What do we got? Cornerstone of any great apocalyptic movie. Really? Okay, next clue: cornfield, cornfield. Troll two. <laughs> Not the one. <laughs> All right, next clue: first of a series. Total shot in the dark. Because again, I haven't seen it. Independence Day. Not it. <laughs> The corn, do the UFOs land in corn in that one? <laughs> Decidedly not in corn, no. but some of the other okay. stuff might work. There might be some some dude butts. Definitely some some surgery in, in the first one. Yeah. Next Elysium? clue, which could also... Uh, it's not Elysium. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have fit Independence Day, but uh, Desert is your next clue. <laughs> Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. It's not Mad Max. <laughs> 
going to be a, a genre clue here. Outer space adventure. Oh. Star Trek. It's not Star Trek. So this is apocalyptic, right? So... Mm-hmm. Which in and of itself, like, you can, can kind of use like, to, yeah. to work this out. Star uh... Wars Episode 3. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, uh, Dune? It's not Dune. Dune. I was going to be so mad if it was that one. All right, next clue. Mute character. Mute character. All righty. Next clue. Horseback riding. I got a clue recap. Yes. So... Rear male nudity, not to be confused with rare male nudity, <laughs> brain surgery, cornfield, first of a series, desert, outer space adventure, mute character, and horseback riding. Interstellar. <laughs> it's not the one. <laughs> we'll get you to watch it one day, Chris. I yeah, Marianne yeah. actually floated it as an idea of something soon. Um there's a there's a Sean Connery movie. I don't think this is it, but it just it, yeah, I feel in a weird way like this would fit that. And there's a Sean is it Zardoz or he's got like the red banana hammock that he's wearing. Yeah, yeah. What is yeah, I was gonna one. say? Well, what one, is the name so of that movie though? Yeah, it is Zardoz. Like, what, yeah, you're right. It is Zardoz. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's Gosh. not the one. All right, next clue: penultimate and a big one. Twist mm-hmm. ending. The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the one. All right. You don't want to think about twist endings. Post-apocalypse. Okay. Here comes the gimme. Hands on your buzzers. <laughs> Statue of Liberty. Planet of the Apes. It's Planet of the Apes. <sighs> nice. We so we saw some Charleston Heston booty. Is that that's what was yeah. going on? Um, I think all the male astronauts. Uh, we see some some booty. Um, okay. Man, it's been forever yeah. since I've seen that film. Never I caught that. it on the cruise when we like it was like late and we were way too like sun tired from like activities, kayaking and whatnot. And uh, yeah, man, that movie holds up. It's a really good one. The nice. sequels are not really worth the shit, but that original one is is quite uh, incredible. What'd you think of the remake, the Tim Burton one? Uh the Tim Burton one can suck it. Um but the, <laughs> wow. I love the I, I love yeah. the um uh, Andy Circus ones. Like those are all great. Um they only get better too from from like the rise is like pretty good. And then like Dawn and, and War for the Planet of the Apes are just phenomenal, phenomenal movies. Nice. All right, so that's one point for Will. Next film. Man, that, that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, if you haven't seen that in a while, that was one of the obscure ones. I think these next two fall more into the gettable care categories for sure. All right, next clue, or sorry, first clue for next film based on a novel. Dude. 
not. <laughs> um, Man, the Hunger Games. That, it's not. Divergent. Those are more dystopian, not post-apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> Get your genre right. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, well, that's not. I'm sorry. I was gonna say something, but it's a TV show, not a movie, so it doesn't count. So I apologize. Blue okay. number two, atheist. Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> and Will, I just I, want to want you to know where I have like my my uh my window for my notes. Yeah. Um, it's currently over your face, and it looks like you're peering like over my notes. <laughs> like it's great. I just I <laughs> that, so it's really tickling me silently. I'm giggling inside, but oh man! All right, next clue: loss of a family. Demon Slayer. <laughs> That's not the one. What was the last clue again? I'm sorry. Loss of a family. And then prior to that was atheist. Prior to that was based on a novel. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I still got nothing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Next clue. uh, An antiquated thing called a video store. What? (laughs) Blockbuster. Hey, next clue. Golf. The sport, not like the of Mexico, but does Zombie Land fit in this? Was Zombie Land a book? <laughs> I actually don't know, but it's not Zombie Land. <laughs> World War Z. It's not. <laughs> Next clue is helicopter accident. Alrighty. I feel like someone's getting in on this one. Your next <laughs> clue. Reference to Bob Marley. I'm shocked right now. <laughs> I think this is going to be painful when we both realize what this film is. I agree. <laughs> and we'd be like, wow. I feel like the I'll easiest ex- I'll explain. Would like, yeah. But, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll explain. Um, all right. Next clue. Plague. Contagion. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, definitely get your hands on the buzzers <laughs> for the penultimate clue, <clears throat> which is death of a dog. Oh, so I am legend. I am legend? <laughs> yeah, may, may, may got it first. <laughs> nice, good hey. catch, there, buddy. Two by, points by like a half second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the final clue was vampires, <laughs> and nice. it was based on a novel by Richard Matheson, who also wrote a lot of episodes mm. for the Twilight Zone. Um, the reference to Bob Marley is during the very sad, previously mentioned dog death scene where he's singing Three Little Birds, you know, everything's going to be all right, Aww. and his dog's dying. Like, so when you guys said that, I was like, oh, man, like, <laughs> it's going to be really hard not to give away the farm. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But good job. All right, May on the board. Woo. I, have yeah. I believe <laughs> it. I believe so. Will has 10 points total going into this. 
and may has two. So you could technically still win you this. Yeah, you can still be. Or tie it. Or tie. So final film. List off every movie I know. Then <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see like a miraculous comeback here. So a hey, game. It's happened. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting cushy over here. We still no fight. <laughs> final film. First clue: gas mask. Um, twelve monkeys. <laughs> Almost put that one on there because that's like one of my favorites, but I resisted. No. Nice. Mad God. <laughs> it's not. That would have been awesome. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, yeah. It's outbreak. Not outbreak. Is the Dark Knight? Technically, <laughs> <Not even. laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. <laughs> People of Gotham might have felt that way. When yeah, no over. shit. That place is always getting boned. <laughs> All right. Second clue: crutches. Crutches and a gas mask. Dune, World War Z. Doing the original, doing the remake. (laughs) Children of Dune. So to tie it, to tie it, and then we can do a tiebreaker. So no pressure. Your next clue chained to a pipe. Chained to a pipe. I don't think I've seen this. I feel like I'd remember that scene if I had seen this. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Your next clue is magazine. Yeah, this is one I wasn't sure about. Again, you'll get it from by the end. <laughs> the Terminator. <laughs> next clue. Air vent. Wally. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say it's not going to be, but I'm just going to say Die Hard because I feel like Die Hard fits some of these. <laughs> it does, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Your next clue is psychological manipulation. All right. This almost sounds like it could be like one of our previous entries, but your next clue is farmhouse. Signs. <laughs> it's not a bad guess, but it's not the one. Elysium. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think May probably said that already. Yeah. All right. Hidden truth. Hidden truth. Clue number eight, Hidden Truth. I'll do a recap here. Gas mask, crutches, chain to a pipe, magazine, air vent, psychological manipulation, farmhouse, Hidden Truth. Penultimate clue, fallout shelter. If you've not seen this movie, it's a banger i'm due for like a rewatch all righty 
And the gimme, Alien Invasion. Cloverfield. No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the 10 day, Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> the day Cloverfield the earth lane. stood still. Oh, it is? Okay. <laughs> it will got it, 10 Cloverfield Lane. So nice. different film than, Clo- than Cloverfield. Uh, it was a spiritual, we didn't know what the hell it was until it came out film. Um, yeah, it is indeed. That's a, That was a toughie. I feel like, have you seen it before, Will, or did you just get it from the context clues? Nope, I have seen it before, and I agree with you. I actually liked it more than I thought I would. So I was very I th- pleasantly surprised for a film that sort of how it was marketed, the execution was actually better than I expected. So hmm. yeah. yeah, I think you could argue that like even though I love sort of like giant monster stuff, like I think it's a better movie than the original Cloverfield in terms of like suspense factor and like small scale mm-hmm. and all that. But if you're not familiar. It is. It stars John Goodman and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and it is about a woman who has a car crash in the midst of some shit going down. And John Goodman like saves her and has her in a fallout shelter. It's like you cannot leave this. Like it's not safe to go outside. And like you, the whole time you're guessing like, is there actually something like bad out there? Is there an alien invasion? Like, is there something else that's like happened? And like, they don't answer the question until like the very end of the movie. So it's just really, really great. Like even as a suspense thriller. Yeah. yeah, It's very good. Well, I love both of those actors, so I'll have to check it out. Please do and report back if you do, but, uh, but well done both of you. That was a little bit harder. So sorry for, for the hard mode, but we'll earned every single one of those points. <laughs> I was very impressed. Like he worked for it. Well, yeah. Will Will is definitely the victor, but, but may I, I always like when there's not a, a clean sweep, like it's important, you know, definitely to, to get on the board for sure. Got to keep <laughs> the audience in suspense. And as Gav would say, it's never a bad idea that it goes to the end because it just gives like people more time to guess, like in the audience, right? Like they just they get more time to to work it out. So, exactly. well done, both of you. Thank you. GG. Well played, May. Thank you. And now we've reached that time of the show where we get to find out what we're watching next. Everything. Everything. Everywhere. Everywhere. With Rakakuni. <laughs> Ah, so a little bit of a special category, this one, because we've changed the way that we're going to handle this moving forward. So I'll explain. It is a, was the book better? (laughs) So I'm going to find out which one this is, and I'll explain to our audience how this is going to to work. So hold, please, while I determine which uh, of the books that we'll be reading for this. Dust off that library card. Oh, this is a May pick, and it's going to make my wife very happy. Ah! So it's going to be Pride and Prejudice. Yes, <laughs> which is timely because I just finished Succession, and I need some Matthew McFadden in, in my my life. Yes. Um. So that's the version we'll be watching. Correct. The Kira Knightley yes, Matthew McFadden. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So we decided off uh, camera, the way that we're going to handle this particular category, like was that we are going to give you the audience a month head start. So this will be the episode that we record basically a month from now. And we'll throw that probably in the episode description so you can find out because we'll have to talk um, off camera and decide like when that'll be. But that'll be, you'll have some time to read the book if you'd like to. Sorry to give you additional homework if you're watching. You can simply watch the film and hear our <laughs> opinions if you want. But it gives us time to to read the, the book as well. 
and then come back and discuss. So we're not all having to cram in like from one week to the next reading a book and watching a film, which is quite a momentous task. Uh, especially Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Uh, I will say audiobooks are valid. Of course, yeah. I frankly I've kind of recommended with this one because like um, I, I enjoy reading it slowly and cherishing every artfully crafted sentence, of course. But mm-hmm. it is kind of stream of consciousness, stream of thought in a way. So it can be nice just listening to it. Awesome. So I look forward to that, like both reading the book and seeing the film, because I have neither read the book nor seen any version of the, the movie. Um, so this this should be um, exciting. I, I've, I know it's very well regarded. Um, so now we're going to do a historical first, which is draw another card. Please don't be another was the book better, because that'd be funny as fuck. Um, <laughs> do <you> will read. <laughs> hey, all right. So this is um, a new category called shipwreck. So um, to refresh your memory, uh, listeners, Shipwreck is where we talk about an oddly strained or shoehorned romance, I should say, um, in a film. So like kind of an out-of-place shoehorned romance. Um, <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm going to set that this is my last pick for a while. It is a crisp <laughs> pick. I promise I'm not cheating. The proof is in the pudding. The film that we're going to be watching is Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> hell yes i I have thoughts uh, that i'll save for the episode but i think you'll you'll understand when we get to it Um, yeah this will be my first watch so no spoilers no spoilers (laughs) um i would say for listeners and anyone else like on the pod who's not seen the lethal weapon films lethal weapon one is not compulsory like necessarily like you can watch these like on their own but I would strongly recommend at least watching a recap of the first one, if not just like the first, because the first film is genuinely a great movie and an odd kind of Christmas action movie as well. It gives a lot of very important context and some things that happen into um, specifically around the shoehorn romance that make it that much more awkward and stupid in my opinion, but that's all I'll say. <laughs> um, so that's our, our film that we're watching next week. And of course, in uh, a month, we'll be watching Pride and Prejudice and discussing was the book better or not. And we, of course, won't draw a card before that week. And we'll remind you that that's going to be the film coming up. So you can do a quick bit of catch up if you like. Ooh. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Genuinely appreciate it each and every week that you guys support the show. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreenQuestPod. Please um, share the show like uh, that really does help us grow. If you'd like to submit a film, I'll continue to include the link for that. And, you know, maybe as soon as like end of June, we'll start throwing some suggestions into the uh, to the pile. I'm going to keep them a secret, I think, just for suspense sake. But I will let you know that they're in there. So you who has submitted a uh, suggestion knows that it's now in the pile and a possibility. Um, That's it. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.